Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome to the second tier preview show brought to you by SBK. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the tofu to my beans. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, Justin, Justin. Another deadline day over and done with. I mean, the transfer window has properly slammed shut, hasn't it? There is dust everywhere after it properly, you know, I, when I picture a transfer window, I'm picturing one of those slidey windows, which, you know, like like a like a reception desk kind of thing. <laughs> like a reception desk. I was thinking more of a of a shop uh, metal shutter where it's like, like a hole in the wall. Oh, OK. Right. You're yeah. thinking of you're thinking of something completely different to me. Oh, yes. But, you know, it's slam shut. It's time to put Fabrizio Romano back in his box. Carve Solacol in the cupboard again. Harry Redknapp has wound up his car window. But... What an eventful transfer window it has been. And as we were alluding to at the end of yesterday's show, in the Premier League, not really been anything to talk about. So a lot of mainstream football fans have been complaining about it. In the Championship, though, it has been utter chaos. Yeah, especially in the last week. Uh, I will I will admit, it sort of feels like we're now, as a Championship and, and, and football pundit, bona fide. We're contractually obliged to say two things. One, the window slams shut. Does it ever slam shut? I don't think it slams shut. And then well, two, because, because deals get done afterwards, it's like they're just slipping pieces of paper underneath the shutters. Help, afterwards. help, please help, send help. Well, some, some clubs, some clubs will be saying that definitely. Uh, what's the other thing you, uh, you have to and, say now? And the other thing is, it's been an eventful transfer. I think it's been pretty placid up until about twelve p.m. yesterday. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was quite quiet, relatively subdued, and then bang million bloody like the scene in Jumanji when there's a stampede all of a sudden it's just it became chaos um of, of, of just poor planning piss poor planning from from every single football club in the AFL yeah I, I do agree with you but it happens it seems to happen pretty much every season doesn't it where it's not that busy and we're like oh it seems like a bit quiet and then you know in the championship it just kicks off but i think in fairness to them justin a lot of these players weren't available earlier in the transfer window so yeah. it's not it's not a surprise that so many deals still get done right at the death of the transfer window is it but let's have a chat about them shall we welcome to the number one championship podcast the second tier so thank you for joining us wherever you are yes deadline day has been and gone so it's time for us to mull over some of the big deals from deadline day we've selected some of the main deals we're not going to talk about every single one because honestly there were so many we could be here all day talking about every single detail of uh, every transfer and um, so we're just about to do that but also i'm going to ask justin for his best signing of 
the January window. I'm going to be naming mine too. So that's going to be coming up after the deadline day chat. But as usual, this is a preview show brought to you by SBK. So we'll be talking about some of the games coming up in the championship this weekend, making our predictions and then finishing off proceedings with Scott High or Ryan Lowe right at the end of the show. So let's kick things off from deadline day and Kiefer Moore has re-signed for Ipswich Town. The 31-year-old had a shortened, unremarkable spell there in 2017, but has now rejoined on loan from Bournemouth. Ladies and gentlemen, he's been a bit cautious about doing it before, but if there's ever been a signing that will get Justin Peach aboard the Ipswich are going up tractor, it's this one. Because he absolutely adores Big Keith. I am a, a big Keith super fan, almost to the point where I am like, uh, is it Jedda Stalker from, from Alan Partridge? I have a big Keith Moore tattoo on my chest. You can't see it behind me because I, you know, I need to keep it respectable, but I've got Keith Moore plastered all over this this wall in front of me. It is uncomfortable <laughs> for family members. It is uncomfortable for friends. I've lost friends and family over it, uh, over this obsession. Um, and, and big Keith still won't, um, still won't call me back. Um, he won't answer my texts. I don't have his number. Um, I'm just, I've got a fake phone that I think I'm in in, in cahoots with 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 old Kiefer Moore, um, and I've gone on for this for far too long now. But what a signing it is! What a signing <laughs> it is! <laughs> it's a great signing. <laughs> if you, I mean, if you're looking at a player who fits um, the, the 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 big traditional target man mould with a little bit more to his to his game as well, Kiefer Moore fits that bill, and he is or has been in the last few seasons, a very reliable striker at this level. And he fills a huge, huge gap for Ipswich. Huge gap. Um, I mean, it's got to be big because Moore is massive. Um, so it, it, it's, it's, it's a massive, massive signing. Um, and I can't understate how important this is for Ipswich and how um, how much it changes their game a little bit because he's doesn't have quite the same uh, assets as, as George Hurst does. He can't spin as quick as he can, for example. He's not as quick either, um, although both are quite tall and slow, but you get what I mean. But his heading ability is, is second to none at this level. Um, and he gives he gives Leif Davis another target, which is frightening. Yeah. Are you aboard the tractor now, Justin? That was the original question. Um, <laughs> I think so. I think I am. Yeah. Uh, there we not? go, ladies and gentlemen. It's, we got him. We is, got him eventually. This is purely a Kiefer Moore thing. This isn't an Ipswich thing. I'm aboard the Kiefer Moore's going up tractor. And if he's on okay. if he's on the Ipswich tractor himself, then I'll tag along. Mate, he's the one pulling it. The, the tractor. <laughs> the cart horse. chugging along. And now he's like an ox pulling that tractor towards the Premier League. Um, but I, I rate Kiefer Moore really well. I, I used to watch Ipswich in person fairly regularly. Um, and around the time that that was happening was when Kiefer Moore was originally at Ipswich and I'll tell you now he was useless he was absolutely awful when he was at Ipswich but a lot has changed since then and he's had a very successful career and now getting Ipswich, Ipswich getting him back is really quite exciting um, because he just offers so much to an attack and you're quite right Justin the idea of Leif Davis whipping in crosses to him is going to be an absolute joy because that could be a partnership made in heaven it is going to be interesting to see the role that he has because of course they have also signed Ali Al Hamadi from AFC Wimbledon have Ipswich um, so which one is starting most games I'm very curious to see Kiefer Moore, when he got promoted with Bournemouth, was playing more of a supporting role coming off the bench and just being a nuisance 
that way. So it'll be interesting to see if that's the case here. But look, he's a very talented player and he's a great target man. We'll put his, he'll head bricks, won't he? He'll put his head where <laughs> um, most players won't. He's just a big beast, Incy and Ipswich have desperately needed a striker. They've got two very exciting options now, haven't they? Let's move on, Justin. And Hull have rounded off their excellent transfer window by signing Burnley winger Anas Zorori. The 23-year-old was brilliant for the Clarets last season, but has barely featured for them in the Premier League. And we've said it a few times, this transfer window now, Justin. I can't believe Hull have signed Player X. And this one... Definitely applies here as well, doesn't it? Because Zorori was class last season. He was, he was, and he, I mean, I think he only started twenty-seven games for Burnley, but he was, he was electric when he when he got the ball at um, when he got the ball at his feet, either in a wide left or a wide right position. He he knew he was going to try and beat his man, and that's exactly what uh, exactly what you need. And I think Hull have got so much <laughs> so much quality now in wide areas and through central areas that they become quite a frightening prospect in the second half of the season. It's just about getting it to click, and that's the difficult thing that we spoke about in a previous episode um, for, for a senior. But this is you know, a really, really good signing. I think he got seven goals for Burnley last season, five assists. He's he's going to contribute for Hull this season. But like I said, if you've got two exciting players on either wing in Jaden Philogene and, and uh, Anas Zorori, then yeah, you're in a, in a great place. But they've got quality oozing out of the sides now, which is an incredible feat. And, and Zorori just, you know, he's, he's the cherry on top of this very very tasty cake yeah well he was he, he first of all he gives Hull an X factor but with Burnley last season he was probably one of the most technically gifted players that they had so it's a bit bizarre really that he's come down to the championship so soon and I have been a bit surprised that he hasn't played a bit more in the Premier League with Burnley but look he's an extremely talented player I'm not sure how this is all going to fit it sort itself out in terms of who plays where because Jaden Philogene as many featured on the left wing could be cutting inside football mm -hmm. and Anna Sorori basically does exactly the same thing so maybe Philogene will go onto the right wing but will he be as dangerous there I don't really know but the the idea of an attacking trio of Fabio Carvalho Anna Sorori and Jaden Philogene just makes me froth at the mouth. That is such an exciting trio, isn't it? And it's, you know, really is one of the reasons why Hull are just looking so frightening all of a sudden with the amount of attacking talent they've got. Um, speaking of Hull, they've also signed Turkish midfielder Abdul Kadir Omer for an undisclosed fee from Trabz on Spore. He's a full Turkish international. Don't know much about him, but an interesting one. Um, just quickly, Justin. I feel like now is an opportune time to ask mm. it because who do you think has had the best January transfer window in the championship? Or is that a silly question? It's got to be Hull, hasn't uh, yeah. it? Just because of the marquee signings that they've made. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's marquee. They, they've certainly had the headline transfer window, haven't they? And it's very hard to casterise anywhere else because of how, or the status of the players and the quality of players that they brought in. Fabio Carvalho, for goodness sake, what a player. Um, you know, it's very rare to, to get a player of his quality. And then they've added Billy Sharp. We forget about Billy Sharp because that was all the way at the start of the month or even just before the start of the month they announced it. Um, and, then, and then Anna Sorori at the end, uh, I'm trying to think of other players because they've had such a productive window. But they've also moved players on. They signed Ivor Pandor as well, so there's a goalkeeping issue that they've hopefully sorted out. Um, they just, I'm just looking at the squad now, they've got so much depth. And I know that Saeed Manesh is gone. Um, I think Cynic went as well. They, they've got players everywhere. 
Um, they've got quality everywhere and they look so much more rounded than, than most of the other teams. I think there are other special mentions. I think Birmingham have had a decent window as well. They've, they've filled some decent gaps that they needed. They needed a number 10. They brought in Pritchard. They needed a, a number eight and they fixed that gap as well. And I think Borough have done well. Um, but Hull, certainly the headline, headline team here. Well, if you told me at the start of the season that Fabio Carvalho, Ryan Giles and Anna Sorori would be playing for Hull in the second <clears> half of the season, I'd give you a right good clip around the air because it just seems insane that this is the case. It's like a championship nerd's wet dream of a transfer <laughs> window. Just this group of players who really shouldn't be in the championship no. have all filtered towards Hull City mm. in the second half of the season. And it just seems mad to me. I mean, I will admit, I don't know much about Noah Ohio, Ivor Pandor or Abdul Kadir Omar, but Hull's recruitment is very good. So... I've got faith that, you know, at least one of them will end up being good. Um, but look, at ultimately, put it this way, heading into this transfer window, I think Hull were somewhat of a dark horse for the top six, where it was looking pretty good for them. But you were looking at it thinking they were not as strong as other teams aiming for the top six. They might just miss out. You're looking at it and they might just miss out. They, they, it's, oh, yeah. it, was on a, yeah. it was on a tightrope, wasn't it, whether they were going to get themselves over the line. But now they sign these players, you, you're very confident that should well, they pick up a That's the point I was going to make, Justin, because now now you're looking at them thinking they are, you know, really good value for the top six. It's a, it's a transfer window which has completely changed their fortunes, transformed their fortunes. And it's just because they've signed these extremely exciting players and they're going into a squad which was already challenging for the top six in the first place. It was looking like a really solid squad. And now they've just had this added X factor. It's incredibly exciting, isn't it? Uh, let's move on from a <laughs> frothing at the mouth about Hull City and uh, talk about some of the other deals in the championship. And Blackburn have sold Adam Wharton to Crystal Palace for a fee which could rise to £22 million. We were a bit worried weren't we when we heard they had turned down 18 and a half million mm. but it turns out they just simply knew what they were doing well done to Blackburn a great payday for them meanwhile they've signed John Fleck on a free from Sheffield United as well as Liverpool defender Billy Kumateo on loan and Orlando City striker Duncan Maguire and he had an, an eventful January deadline day didn't he Maguire? Ridiculous really I, this was um it's been a quiet transfer window, but this has lit up my life over the last five or six days because this has been rumbling on for a long time. There's been a, a transfer tussle between Blackburn and Sheffield Wednesday for Duncan Maguire. The poor sod had to cut short his holiday in Cancun to fly over um, either yesterday or the day before uh, to Lancashire to complete a deal. There was still no confirmation from Orlando that he's, he's obviously parent club at the time. Still no confirmation by Orlando that any fee had been agreed. He's on the plane. Um, and then while he's on the plane, his, his transfer gets canned on uh, to Blackburn. But then it finally goes through. Honestly, it has just been a chaotic one for him. And it's been such a transfer saga of interest for me that I'm disappointed that it's now finished. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting watching that all unfold because there was this huge debate on X or Twitter um, where Sheffield Wednesday fans and Blackburn fans were debating where which hotel Maguire was in because <laughs> there was a picture of him in a hotel and the Sheffield Wednesday fans saying no that's in Yorkshire and then Blackburn fans were saying no it's in Lancashire and so that was just funny watching there's that a, there's a guy on social media isn't there that you can tell the location of a place just by looking at the grass do you know which is he he's a, he's a YouTuber okay so you should have recruited him and, and got him in, involved and just say or maybe that, there might be a carpet version it's a bit too late now but 
that's the route we could have gone down. Maybe. But, I mean, I don't know much about this Maguire. I know that a lot of money seems to have been spent by yeah. Blackburn in getting him in. I've seen some of the reported fees to make this one a permanent one. I don't know how, whether it's an obligation or whether it's optional, but it seems like there's a lot of money which has gone into him. So it's a very interesting one, certainly one to keep an eye on, um, particularly because they've already got Sammy Schmodix, who is, of course, the top goal scorer in the league. So how Maguire is going to fit into the fold is going to be very interesting. But hopefully he's all right and recovered after what has been probably a bit of a traumatic deadline day. Um, Connor Roberts, Justin, has joined Leeds on loan for the rest of the season from Burnley. It's another Burnley player who did really well for them last season and is now on loan in the Championship again. Mm. I, strange how that's all happened with quite a few players at Burnley, isn't it? But I, I think Connor Roberts may suffer from the Dwight Gale effect where he's just too good for the Championship, not good enough for the Premier League, perhaps. Obviously, Leeds won't care if that's the case this season. But what do you think? Has he had much opportunity to go to the Premier League, Conor Roberts? Because he's obviously been with Swansea for a long time. And he's only Burnley, had... into it? Yeah, I know, but it was, um, he's only had half a season in the Premier League with, with Burnley. Or did he go a while ago? I, I can't he, remember. He, he went when they got relegated. To yeah, OK. Um, but I think this is a really tidy signing for, for Leeds and Daniel Fark. He's, he's got so much energy. His lungs are ridiculous. Um, if you're looking for a, a you know, a a lung capacity similar to that of Luke Ayling, then Conor Roberts is certainly the man. Um, and as well as that, it just feels like a good Daniel Farker player because he gets high up the pitch. You know, you look at the amount of goals he scored for Swansea just arriving at the back post with those big headers. Um, he's flexible as well. He can play left back and he, play, he can play right back. So he's going to give that flexibility for, for Farker. So, yeah, I think that's a really, really tidy signing from Leeds and yeah, quite a smart one, actually. Yeah, I'm really great, Connor Roberts. I think he's been fantastic in the last few times he's been in the Championship, actually. And it was only last season he was included in the coveted second-tier team of the season, wasn't it? So it's another player who was in the team of the season and is remarkably back in the Championship this season. Um, probably deserves better and maybe deserves more of a crack at the Premier League, actually, because... I think he is that good. Stamina-wise, I don't think there's many players who cover more yards than him, if anyone. Mm. And he's just brilliant going forwards and defensively. He's exactly what you need in a fullback in the championship. We'll be interested to see where he plays because I get the slight feeling that he may play at left-back. Leeds have been crying out for a left-back all window. So maybe that's where Roberts will slip in and leave Archie Gray carrying on playing at right back. I don't know, but Connor Roberts, a fantastic player, fantastic signing for Leeds and is more than happily playing in a Daniel Farker system as well, that kind of football. So yeah, seems like a very, very good signing for Leeds. Um, Middlesbrough have sold Morgan Rogers to Aston Villa in a deal initially worth £8 million, but it could rise to £15 million. And Justin, I've made my feelings known on this before <laughs> but now that it's actually gone through Middlesbrough have had Villa's pants down haven't they because eight million pounds for a player that Middlesbrough signed for a million in the summer just it just seems mad to me he hasn't really pulled up many trees in a borough shirt yeah he's he's played well for them in, in the cup but not really done much in the league and I, I still just cannot get my head around what Villa are seeing here, and I remain convinced that they think they've signed Morgan Whitaker, not Morgan Rogers. <laughs> That's the only thing that makes sense to me here. But from a borough perspective, they've made a seven million pound profit on a player they only got a few months ago. So it's undeniably an excellent bit of business on their behalf. Yeah, borough have had some really good deals go through lately, haven't they? Over the last couple of years, Tavernier going for double figures, um, 
Jed Spence as well, and obviously Morgan Rogers is another one that they've done really well lately, and it's been really smart recruitment. And I think it just goes to show that um, there is value in signing and pick, picking certain players up if you if you're willing to put the effort into to develop them. Although he's only had six months at Middlesbrough, I think that's why it's weird. He's just not had a lot of time to really to really shine. And obviously, if Middlesbrough, uh, sorry, Villa didn't want to sign him in the summer when he was available for a million pounds, what's changed their minds? Because as you well, say, that's it, Justin. Yeah. That's it. How's he how's he gone from a million pound player? in the summer to an £8 million player mm-hmm. in January when the in-between hasn't been anything really to talk about. It's crazy. Yeah, it's your typical Premier League ignorance uh, and a bit of naivety in, in spending because um, it it's very hard to make a case other than him having maybe a similar profile to that of Ollie Watkins, as I've said in the past. But for me, would that be enough for me to spend my money on Morgan Rogers, who's only had six months in the Championship and has only um started i think 14 games or something something quite low he's not he's not been a prolific um guaranteed starter has he so yeah it's um it's just an odd one it's just an odd one but middlesbrough are laughing and so is steve gibson yeah it'll be very fascinating to see how much he actually plays for villa um and how long it takes for them to realize that they've not signed morgan whitaker they've signed the other Morgan, um, but I, I'm just I'm just so baffled about this whole signing, and I think it may be one of the strangest moves we've had since we've started covering the Championship, Justin. Um, and we'll finish off with Norwich City, Justin. They've signed the son of former Nottingham Forest striker Pierre Van Hoydonk, 23 year old Sydney, joins on loan from Bologna for the rest of the season. Another player to add to our father son eleven, ah, Justin. Yes. Um, which is the main thing here, which we're happy about, but also seems like a exciting player, doesn't he? Yeah, it's another bloody striker in our father son eleven. Yeah, like why why are strikers are why are strikers more likely to um, to birth good uh, good players? What what is the what is the case here? Um, obviously, they're not birthing birthing players, but you know what I mean. We all know <laughs> the birds and the bees. Um, yeah, it, this is. This is it. I don't know much about Van Hooydonk, but if his name is like his like his father, then he's he's going to be a very a very tidy signing. But it's just one of them that probably you wait to see how he um, wait to see how he sells because the last van that Norwich had was Van Voorswinkel, and that didn't go particularly well. No, that, that was a shocker, wasn't it? At the first thing I thought when I saw Pierre Van Hooydonk at uh, Sydney Van Hooydonk. Sorry, God, I'm getting mixed up already. Uh, the first thing I th- I thought when I saw him was what a jawline. I tell you what, Justin, have a search of him later. He's got a Yannick Vestergaard standard jawline. It's fantastic. But he scored 16 goals in the Eredivisie with Hiram Vien last season, which is very good numbers, really, isn't it? But it hasn't been given much of a chance with Bologna in Serie A. Is behind a very good striker in Joshua Xerxes, we must remember. So it's understandable that he hasn't had much of a chance. But I've had a quick look at his underlying data from last season seems like the kind of striker who doesn't offer much to a team other than scoring goals but we'll see I, I will admit I don't know much about him either but uh, it's certainly one that's caught the eye not just because of his famous surname but because he's someone who I thought was being linked with a higher standard club than championship teams mm-hmm. if we're putting it straight to the point um, so I'm, I'm very curious to see how it goes uh, a quick word as well on Adam Eder the Norwich striker has left the club to go on loan to Celtic which is one that I find incredibly strange, Justin, mainly because I don't think Adam Eder's very good. <laughs> no, I know you don't rate him. I, I think he's he's going to be a good player at some point. I don't know if Celtic was the right move for him, but I think sometimes going up to the SBL can kickstart your career. We've seen it with so many players in the past 
go up to the SPL and, and, and really blossom and then come back down into a Premier League move or, or elsewhere. So I think it's probably good for him to, to stretch his wings a little bit because he has been at Norwich for a long time. He has been a bit part player for a long time. So hopefully he can go to Celtic and try and prove himself. Stretch his wings? Yeah, that's the right. That's the right. Spread his wings? Yeah, you want to spread your wings and fly. You don't want to stretch your wings though, do you? Oh yeah, but you know he's he's cramped. You don't want to cramp. You know you want to stretch first thing in the morning. You want to go. Oh, finally, okay. that sort of thing. I'm not sure many birds are doing that though. You don't want to <laughs> cause yourself a mischief with the overstretching, do you? Um, but on Adam Eder, the curious thing is, you say you think he's going to be a good player. He's 23 next week, and we've not really seen anything in his career so far to indicate that he is going to be the man living up to the potential that he was. You know, being tipped with um, a few years ago he's just never really impressed for Norwich so I'm not really sure what Celtic are seeing in him that makes them think oh yeah this will work out with with us but I don't know I'm I'm curious to see how he will do at Celtic and whether he actually plays that much but yeah I've got to admit I don't particularly rate him Um, let's finish off the transfer window then Justin by talking about our signings of the window Justin Out of all the deals which have taken place over the past month, what's been the best signing? I'm going to surprise everybody and not say Kiefer Moore. I want to, um, but I've had a lot. You might change your mind last minute. Uh, Yeah, there was. I've been I've been debating it quite extensively, but I think the one for me, if I'm being really smart about my thinking, I'm not letting my my lust for a big number nine get in the way of my my judgment here. It's got to be Fabio Carvalho to Hull. He's a marquee signing for any side in, in a division. Um, and he's he's got ability to win games on his own, as he's already shown at Hull. And I think he's only going to keep growing um, in that Rossini system and, and, and be that focal point playing through him. Um, he's quite easily the best number 10 in the division. It's going to be interesting to see if he can find his best form because we've not seen it in the 18 months that he's, um, since he left Fulham. But it's exciting. It's just one of them where you just drop your jaw and go, how? How did yeah. you get him? Incredible. Yeah. You're not wrong. I, I'm, ama- I'm amazed that Fabio Carvalho was a championship player in 2024. If you told me he was, I would have been a su- surprised, but assumed he was at a recently relegated side with a ridiculous amount of money, like Leicester, for example. So for him to be at a club like Hull, and I mean that with no disrespect, is quite remarkable. And this signing alone has single-handedly boosted their playoff chances quite considerably, hasn't it? And my signing of the window, I've avoided any chat about Hull, even though it was obviously very tempting. I've gone for a bit of a different one. I've gone for Finazaz to Middlesbrough. And the reason for that is this move just ticks all the boxes for me. Middlesbrough were crying out for an attacking midfielder who is primarily a creator, but can also score goals. And Finazaz does exactly that. In terms of his underlying data, he was one of the top performing attacking midfielders in the division when he was on loan at Plymouth earlier in the season. And when it's a 23-year-old doing that, that's really exciting. And considering Middlesbrough signed him for £2 million, that's outrageous value. And I believe this is one of those signings where we'll look back on it in a few years' time and say, that was a cracking bit of business. Especially when you keep in mind, they signed him from Villa for £2 million and sent Morgan Rogers the other way for £8 million. Middlesbrough have done a trade with Villa almost and got £6 million out of it and in my view a better player so mm. it's a very one-sided trade at that yeah it's um, it's one of those where I'll probably think of Middlesbrough and suggest that they've had one of the better windows in the entire division because they've filled gaps 
they feel gaps they've been really smart in their recruitment over over the window they probably needed a striker but strikers are very hard to get so you can forgive them for for not doing that but Finners as I think um, as far as players go at this level has gone under the radar in, in, in his six months in this division so far um, because he has been so creative for Plymouth in, a, in an attack forward thinking side and guess what Michael Carrick deploys an attack forward thinking side yeah. Carrick's got a great record of developing players so Azaz is in a very good place to carry on his brilliant progress from earlier in the season at Plymouth. Justin, let's take a quick break and we'll have a look ahead to the games coming up in the Championship this weekend. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. So that's the January transfer window over and done with. It's now time for us to get back onto Football Matters and look ahead to the weekend in the Championship. And we'll kick things off, shall we, with our game of the weekend. And it's the Tees Weir Derby between Middlesbrough and Sunderland on Sunday. Hopefully this one is more of a spectacle after the last one ended up being a bit farcical. <laughs> Do you, do you remember it, Justin, when uh, Dan Neal was sent off for unknown reasons? Unknown reasons? Listen, listen, I'll disagree. Whatever you say on this, listen, you can't be effing and jeffing at the ref. You expect to get booked if you're effing and jeffing at the ref. Simple. Respect the man in the middle. Right. The man in the middle will respect you. All right. Ref support UK. Um... <laughs> 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 but the thing, the thing is, with that last game, it just happened so early on, didn't it? And it just yeah. basically destroyed as a contest. Mm-hmm. So it left it being very one-sided from that red card onwards. So hopefully we've got more of a competitive game here because it's two great footballing teams, isn't it? Two teams yeah. with plenty of talented players. So we want to see them have a good crack at each other and just see how it goes on. But it is a big game, isn't it? Not yeah. just because of the rivalry, which... People say isn't a rivalry, even though they don't seem to particularly like each other. But also because they are in a pretty similar position in the top six race, aren't they? Middlesbrough would go level on points with Sunderland with a win and still have a game in hand. So from that perspective, it's a bit of a six-pointer, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think as well, you've got two teams who have so much attacking potential they're flirting with the playoffs. So looking from afar, trying to get the attention of the top six, like, come on, come on, let's let's dance or whatever. And neither are taking their opportunity with any you know, bigger plum, really. Um, and as I say, they've got so much attacking potential and potential to really do some damage in the final third, but neither have a clinical striker. So this, this is one of those games that could be a tennis match. And it could be one of those games where we look back in um, at the end of the season at this and go... Yeah, that's exactly why they've missed out on the top six because neither neither can put their, their chances away. But this is a really good opportunity for either one of the sides to, to really sort of, not necessarily make a statement, but generate some momentum outside of transfer window and just go because they've got a lot of quality either side and um, they've, they've, they've got to push on at some point. And yeah, they've been stuttering and, and, and trying to get started, but neither side have, have 
properly got going. Neither side have properly hit their potential. Well, do you fancy Middlesbrough to have a bit of a, well, to have a strong end to the season? Because they've signed pretty well in January, haven't they? I, I mean, the Finizaz signing, as we were alluding to earlier, a superb move. Luke Thomas and Luke Ayling have come in as well on loan, steady signings. And then we've got to remember, they've got Lewis O'Brien coming back into the team. Matt Clark and Hayden Hackney, fully fit now after a few injury problems for Borough earlier in the season. So what do you think? Do you think we are going to see a strong end to the season for Borough? Hmm. The thing is with Borough, it's never been an issue of dominating games or creating chances this season. I think having square pegs in square holes will be massively beneficial, i.e. getting players back to full fitness and having a pretty decent January. But I think for me, the the big thing is is putting chances away, as I was alluding to just, just then. Um, that's been an issue throughout the entire campaign so far. They create a shed load of chances and would be much higher in the table if they were more consistent in front of goal. It's simple. They've got uh, four players on five goals for the season. Um, they cast a net wide in terms of goal scorers, but missing that consistency from the number nine position. So for me, that might hold them back in, in, in getting to the top six. I think they'll have a good go and they probably will have a stronger end to the season than they wanted than, uh, than this, you know, the first half of the season. But is it going to be enough for that top six? That number nine tells me no. Mm. Well, another club looking for a number nine and didn't get one still is Sunderland. And that is pretty much the summary of their transfer window, isn't it? Because, look, they've signed Callum Styles on deadline day, which is, I think is a, a really, really good signing. We both rate Callum Styles yeah. highly, don't we, Justin? There's San Leo Hielder as well the day before deadline day. And that they're all well and good. But ultimately... The one thing, the one priority that Sunderland had in this transfer window was to get a striker. And they've still not done it. Plus Alex Pritchard, who's been an influential player for them over the past few seasons, he's gone as well. So this transfer window hasn't been a good one for Sunderland, has it? Yes, I would say that they didn't need to sign any of the players that they signed. They they did need a left back, but they, they just needed a striker. Um, and they needed a striker for the last three transfer windows. This goes back to this time last year when they signed Joe Gelhart and Ross Stewart got injured and it's like, okay, we don't have anyone. Alice Sims was recording, was screwed. Didn't really didn't really um recruit particularly well in the summer with Mason Burstow or or, or Rusin. So um yeah, they it, it, obviously it's difficult to go out and get a prolific striker. They're not cheap, but you look at the likes of Kiefer Moore who was available. Um you know, there will probably be, be others as well, but there are strikers out there. Um, and I think you just need to relax relax your, your transfer policy a little bit and, and, and not potentially aim for um, the, the younger you know, standard of players because you can go out and get a prolific player because that's what is, that's what is missing from this team. Um, and that's what's holding this team back from being a really, really good side at its level. Yeah, well, they were linked with Kiefer Moore. But I think when it's a straight two-horse race or three-horse race between them, Ipswich and Cardiff, I think, you know, Sunderland are going to miss out because Kiefer Moore's got previous links to Cardiff and Ipswich were obviously in a much better position than Sunderland. And there aren't that many great strikers out there for, you know, championship clubs to get after because I, Sunderland aren't the only club who are looking for a striker this window. It's very difficult to find one who's going to score the amount of goals that they need. But for them not to sign anyone's really disappointing. I mean, you look at the players who they have brought in. They've only signed three players in 
January. So they've not really strengthened at all, have they? They, they no. also brought in Romain Mundell, who I, I forgot to mention. He's coming on loan, uh, on a permanent deal rather, from a standardly age. Don't know too much about him, but he's only a young lad. So is he going to feature that much? So, look, it's not been a great transfer window for Sunderland. I would probably say they're one of the big losers mm-hmm. of the January window in terms of the championship. And that won't do much to appease the uh, the Sunderland fans who are becoming increasingly annoyed by how the club is being run after events from the past couple of months. And this is just another, you know, factor in this ongoing series, I suppose. Um, but Justin, it's now time for, for us to make our predictions because it's our second tier bet builder with SBK. And with SBK, you can create your own bet builder with a range of markets for any championship game. It's easy, fast and secure on the SBK mobile app and you'll find substantially better odds there than at any other bookmaker. So every Friday we're making our own bet builder with full selections all relating to our game of the week. That's two for Justin, two for me. So Justin, kick things off for us, big boy. What are our selections? I've gone with uh, both teams to score and Jack Clark to score. So going with both teams to score, they've got so much quality in the attacking third. I mean, Jack Clark's one of those players for Sunderland and you know, Middlesbrough have signed Finnezaz, who's going to add so much more creativity in, the, in that final third. And they, they score got a, lot, a lot of goals, and I'm expecting this to be an entertaining game, quite end-to-end. don't think many chances will be put, be put away, but I think the probabilities of them actually both scoring have to be probably higher. And again, going to Jack Clark to score, he's a clutch player. Game's live on Sky. The man is inevitable. Well... My selections are kind of based off uh, the Jack Clark thing as well, because I've gone with Luke Ayling to be carded. The reason for that is Jack Clark is the most fouled player in the division. And Luke Ayling isn't the player he once was. So he could get a bit of a runaround from uh, Jack Clark, who's just one of the best dribblers in the division. In fact, he is the best dribbler in the division. So it may be a tough afternoon for old Luke Horsey boy ailing. Um, but uh, my other selection is Middlesbrough to win. Um, the reason for that is, look, Mick Beale is under big pressure at Sunderland, isn't he? Um, and whether, I mean, getting a win away at Middlesbrough would be a great way to ease the pressure. But, you know, <laughs> losing is looking probably more likely out of the two results, isn't it? And that would just power the pressure back onto Mick Beale and make Sunderland fans even more unhappy with how things are going. But I, f- I fancy Middlesbrough out of the two. I think home advantage is the main reason for that. But because Middlesbrough have had a pretty good transfer window as well, and look to be getting things back on track after what has been a rocky few months with injuries. Um, so they are our predictions. We've gone both teams to score, Jack Clark to score, Middlesbrough to win, and Luke Ayling to be carded. And a £10 bet with SBK on that returns £280. New SBK users can take advantage of £30 in free bets when you place your first £10 bet. T's and C's apply over 18s only and please do gamble responsibly. That's a £10 bet with SBK returning £280 on our second tier bet builder. And as an added bonus, Justin, the fine folk at SBK are feeling extra generous this week. And if you're one of those eager beavers who's listened to this game, uh, listened to this before the game on Friday night between Bristol City and Leeds, you can get a 25% winning boost on a bet builder in that game. Right, let's have a look ahead to the weekend. And in each preview episode of the second tier, Justin and I will each pick a banker, a team we think is guaranteed to win this coming weekend, as well as an outsider. So someone we think is going to win, but is bigger odds with our friends at SBK than their opponent. We're tracking how we do as the season goes on. It's one point for a correct banker, two points for an outsider, 
whoever loses has to do a forfeit, which will be a CrossFit workout for myself, while Justin has to do a coach trip from Sunderland to Plymouth and back. The current scores are 33-21, so still a long way for, to go for Justin to catch up with me here, but let's see if he has any luck with that. This week, Justin Peach, what is your banker this weekend? It's an exciting one. I've got <laughs> I've come with Watford to win at home to Cardiff. This is an interesting one. Watford are pushing forward. They did look leggy against Wednesday in midweek, and they have used the least players in the championship this season. But I would expect their best to come up here against Cardiff, who have developed a little bit of inconsistency um, this season or of late. And obviously, Errol Bullet's been a little bit frustrated with with um, transfer movement in, in in January, although that hopefully has been alleviated for him. Watford are winless in their last four at home, but again, coming up against a Cardiff side who have just won five games away, um, I think Watford should come um, come through with their quality. And again, if they've got to, if they want to make a push for that top six, um, then 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 yeah alleviating or stopping that winless run at home is, is going to be a good start. And again, coming out of January um, with Emmanuel Dennis as well, ooh, it's got me excited. Yeah, that Emmanuel Dennis signing is one that's definitely one to keep an eye on, isn't it? And that's why it's quite interesting to see how Watford do heading into this one. Cardiff, not in great licks, are they? But uh, yeah, Watford, it does feel like their playoff hopes have gone from not really existing too much to being oh hang on a sec mm-hmm. after that Dennis signing isn't it and that, that that's he's the one I'm keeping an eye on this weekend Justin yeah and I think the the key thing that you need to mention about Watford as, uh, as well is Ismail likes a small squad so that's something that may impact them they may get tired against Cardiff you know they didn't have a um, a great game against Wednesday Watford in midweek they they did look leggy as I said um, and that might that might um, display itself in this game against Cardiff but Again, you've got quality like Emmanuel Dennis. Matthias Martins has been um, hit in form. They've got uh, players like a Spreer. They, they're very tidy defensively as well. And I think that goes a long way to to them having that extra quality in Dennis to, to maybe edge those tight games, which could be the case here against Cardiff. Yeah, Cardiff, a bit of a blunt side as well, haven't they? They haven't done a huge amount in January in terms of making themselves a bit more exciting and free-flowing mm-hmm. going forwards. Be interesting to see what happens with Errol Bullock, Justin, because, of course, not too long ago, he was moaning about the January window and said if it doesn't get better, then he might leave. Is he satisfied enough? We'll find out, won't we? Um, Let's go to my banker, shall we? Southampton to win away at Rotherham. I'm starting to think we may need to introduce a rule to stop us picking Rotherham in our predictions (laughs) because it's just a bit too easy, isn't it? Um, Do you think maybe we should just do a gentleman's handshake on that, Justin, and just knock off it, backing whoever's playing Rotherham? I have felt a little bit bad because they have come up quite a lot. They are an easy pick because, well, they lose a lot of games. Um, But maybe, maybe... We can start picking. I mean, them it's up for... to you because you're the one who's chasing me. I don't know. I was going to make a point that maybe that we can start picking them for outsiders because they've signed a few players in January and that might prop them up a little bit and might cause a few cause a few headaches for opposition. Hey, like you can pick them if you want. I'm not going anywhere near <laughs> them. <laughs> they they could they could get me they could get me uh, ahead of you over the next few weeks because obviously you're not going to pick them for outsiders. I might I might be rubbing my hands together. Good luck with that, mate. You you do that and see how it gets on. <laughs> I wonder how much the coach trip from Plymouth to Sunderland is nowadays. Um, anyway, I've gone with Southampton to beat Rotherham. And 
that's because these are two sides at completely different levels and more than likely in very different leagues next season. Southampton are just going from strength to strength right now. They're unbeaten in 20 league games and in that time they've won 14. So why would it be any different against the worst team in the league? They've also only conceded 13 in that time, the best record in the league. It's extremely difficult seeing how Rotherham score, so it's more about whether Southampton score and manage to break down Rotherham, but you've got the second highest top goal scorers against the second leakiest defence, so would anyone be backing Rotherham to keep a clean sheet here? I very much doubt it. It's a no-brainer pick, this. And... I also think we could see a world record for passing numbers here. <laughs> that's the that's an interesting thing. I think the other the other aspect you've got to bring into it is Southampton have had a couple of really electric starts, especially away from home as well in recent games. They've really come out of the traps quick, and if they if they do that against Rotherham, <clears throat> then that that might be that might be the key because if they get a one 0 lead early on um, in the game, and then you 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 will expect them to pass it around and keep Rotherham at arm's length like a like a school ground bully. So that's the that's the danger here for for Rotherham. Yeah, well, is keeping in mind worth keeping in mind that Southampton did draw with Rotherham uh, last time out. I, from memory, I think it was that Jordan Hugo screamer yes. which came completely out of nowhere when Southampton were absolutely cruising. So maybe that may play something in their mind, or maybe they will get revenge and just absolutely obliterate them. I think the latter is much more likely in this case, <laughs> hence why I'm going for a Southampton win. So there are mine and Justin's two bankers for the weekend. And every week, we combine these two selections with a bet on the full-time results of our game of the weekend to create our very own second-tier featured multiple with SBK. So this week, we're going for Watford, Southampton and Middlesbrough all to win and a £10 bet on that returns £45 with SBK and you can create your own multiple with three or more bets on the full-time results of any game from across the championship. T's and C's apply, over 18s only and please do gamble responsibly. That again is Watford, Southampton and Middlesbrough all to win. A £10 bet on that returns £45 with SBK. Okay, let's round off our predictions, Justin, with our outsiders. What have you gone for, you crazy bastard? <laughs> yeah, that was a, this is a, this is a leap of faith. I've gone with Stoke to beat Leicester. <laughs> There's no logic I can give you. There's no logic I can give you. I was looking at the fixtures and I just could not pick an outsider. So I thought, fuck it. So you went for the most <laughs> ridiculous one of all, did you? Listen, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some factors your way, and you're gonna come round to my side yeah my thing i'm not sure i will but i'm i'm intrigued firstly from a stoke perspective they created a lot of chances against sunderland they were on the other end of a on paper fairly heavy defeat but it wasn't a fairly heavy defeat they should have they should have put chances away they signed now Ennis, so why not chances are going to get put away that's a big leap of faith like i said hear me out on from the leicester perspective enzo Maresca has been frustrated with the mood of some leicester fans so why not why not tell your why not tell your players to not down tools but take your foot off the gas, let these fans know that we can lose games, and then let's lower expectation and go again next week. I'm not saying he's going to lose on purpose, but I'm saying Stoke could take advantage of Maresca instructing his players to take it easy. That's your logic, is it? It's yeah. Niall Ennis, a player who has not really done anything in the Championship since moving here in the in the summer. And also Enzo Maresca throwing a strop. That's your logic for Stoke winning this, is it? Like I said, I couldn't pick an outsider this week. 
I was up to the wire. Pick with anyone it. else. No. Why would you pick a no. team to beat the best team we've ever seen at championship level? Because why not? You've listen. You've got to take risks in my position. I'm a lot of points behind. You've got to remember this is a game. This is real life. There's a lot of my life that's going to be taken away going on a coach to Plymouth to Sunderland and back There were again. literally eight other games you could have picked from and you chose this one. Yeah, yeah. I've got a lot of faith with Stephen Schumacher, an old shoey. And um, you're going to eat all words come Sunday. <laughs> no wonder you're losing with picks <laughs> like this. It's absolutely remarkable. Um, my outsider is a bit more realistic. I've gone with Coventry to win away at Norwich. Now, Coventry have been in unbelievable form over the last 10 games only Leicester and Southampton have won more points than them they are playing with confidence on a side I would not want to be facing right now so many players playing with confidence Tatsuhiro Sakamoto is one of the most exciting players in the division and is on fire he scored six goals in his last seven league games Hadji Wright has found the goal scoring touch although he's missed a few games recently through injury Callum O'Hare has been great since returning from injury too Although they did suffer a big blow in midweek, Ben Sheaf went off injured and is going to be out for a while. I think he's their best player, the best all-round midfielder in the division for me. But they have got their new signing, Victor Torp, to come in. And I hope he can go some way to filling the Sheaf-shaped void in midfield. Uh, but as for Norwich, I have no idea how they're 10th and three points behind Coventry. They're not very good. They have had some impressive wins recently, in fairness to them, against Hull and West Brom. But I think the table... They're in a bit of a false position, put it that way. And I do expect them to drift out of the playoff race as time goes on. And I ultimately think Coventry are simply a better side. Hence why I've gone with a Coventry win here, Justin. Savage. You're savage. You're a horrible man. Um, I can tell you why Norwich attempt. They're unbeaten in six at home. They've won. Uh, they beat West Brom in their last home game and they drew against Southampton just before that as well <clears throat> at Carrow Road. So maybe their mood's lifted a little bit and you're being too cynical. And they've just signed Sidney Van Hooydonk, son of Pierre Van Hooydonk, as we all know, as we discussed already on this podcast. That's a big thing. They got a they got a striker, and that's that's going to play in the that's going to play that's going to play a part in in potentially upsetting the um, the Apricot. I don't think you're putting a lot of faith in in, in Coventry and a Coventry without Ben Sheaf as well. Hmm. Hmm. Justin, what? Yeah, I know. I pick picked Stoke. Your... <laughs> <laughs> what? 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 What were you going to pick as your outsider before uh, you had to change your mind because I already picked them? That's irrelevant right now. <laughs> 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 Hypocrite. Um, but I, I, I don't think um, Van Hooydonk signing is going to mean much in the grand scheme of things here. He may turn out to be a good player, but I think it may be a bit too soon for, too soon for him to have much of an impact. Um, keep in mind, he hasn't scored this season yet either. So um, let, let's not get carried away here. But ultimately, as I say, I think Norwich are in a bit of a false position and they will drift out of the playoff race as time goes on. Um, so those are our picks and predictions for the weekend. That means... It's now time for this. Scott High or Ryan Lowe? Kiss, yes, it's time for Scott High or Ryan Lowe. And this is the game where we have to rank four things from highest to lowest. It's as simple as that. There's three questions. And this week, I'm providing the questions for Justin. Are you ready, Peachy Baby? Yes, give them to me, Ryan. You bastard. <laughs> How rude. Yeah. I would never do that to you. Of course you would. Um, according to Transfer Mart, these are the four most expensive January signings ever made by championship clubs. I want you to rank them on the most expensive. They are Benicafobe to Stoke, Ivan Cavaliero to Fulham, Helder Costa to Wolves, Jordan Rhodes to Middlesbrough. 
What are you thinking, Justin? I yeah, these were all these. Uh, it's quite uh, interesting. They were some of them were loan moves, weren't they? In the summer, and they were made permanent in the January transfer window. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sneaky, sneaky. Uh, it's completely irrelevant, um, but I just wanted to point it out because yeah, I wanted to gloat about my knowledge of the championship. Um, I'm going to go with Jordan Rhodes first, then Helder Costa, okay. mm-hmm. um, then Cavaliero, and then um, who was the first one? I always forget the first one. Benicafobe. Oh, actually no. I'll go Rhodes, Afobe, Cavaliero, Costa. Yeah, that is very wrong. Um, Helda Costa was top. That transfer to Wolves was £12.7 million. Uh, Benicafobe to Stoke, 11.5. Jordan Rhodes to Middlesbrough, 10.1. And Ivan Cavaliero, 10 mil. So just slightly lower than at Rhodes. But yeah, you got that very wrong, Justin. It sounds like you've picked a website just to pick your, uh, just to uh, suit your narrative there. I, I disagree with that. Um, those listings. What's my narrative? To get one over on me. I'm not sure. I'm. I did say according to Transfer Mart, so mm-hmm. you can more than welcome check that out afterwards if you want. Um, for absolutely no reason whatsoever, Justin. Here are four left backs. They are the four left backs who have made the most appearances in Championship history. I want you to rank them on who's made the most. They are Jake Bidwell, George Friend, Scott Malone, and Tommy Spur. George Friend's got to be top. Okay. I don't think Tommy Spur dropped into the League One at all, really. I think he bounced around moves in the Championship. So I'm going to go him second. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, I'll go Jake Bidwell second. Okay. Then Tommy Spur. Then Scott Malone, because Scott Malone's had a couple of spells where he's been promoted with clubs into the Premier League. Um, so I think it'll be interesting. Yeah. Interesting, Justin. I tell you what, you've got that very wrong as well. Um, Jake Bidwell was top with 381. Um, not too far behind him was George Friend with 357. Next up was Scott Malone on 316. And then Tommy Spur was bottom of the pile with 285. So, yeah, another one which you've got very wrong, Justin. And here you were boasting about your championship knowledge not too long ago. What a fraud you are. What a fraud I am. Um, I, You know what? I, I'll announce my, my departure from the podcast as soon as this episode's finished. Thank God it's about time. Um, well, to see off, see yourself off, Justin. Here's your final question. And here are officially Britain's four most expensive supermarkets in 2023. I want you to rank them in order of the most expensive. It's based off the average weekly shop. Um, those supermarkets are Morrison's, Sainsbury's, Tesco and Waitrose. Typically, you've got to put Waitrose top, um, okay. but that feels like a red herring. That mm. really does feel like a red herring. I'm going to go with Sainsbury's, then Waitrose, then Tesco, then Morrison's. Justin, I tell you what, you've had an absolute shit show on this guy, <laughs> right? Like this week, because that could not have been more wrong. Um, I don't know why you didn't put Waitrose top, because that just seems like a home run. Waitrose were top. Next up was Morrison's, then Tesco, and then Sainsbury's. So you, you, you've just had an absolute mare, haven't you? I have. How are Morrison's second? Every time I walk into a Morrison's, they just look grubby and horrible. And dark. Morrison's are lovely. How no, dare you? No, I will. I will throw shade at Morrison. I'm a Tesco guy. I love a Tesco. 
No, Morrison's Morrison's are no, very yeah. good. I, I do enjoy a good Morrison's. It is a bit expensive, but uh, that's where I, I like to go once I've done my weekly shop at Aldi. I go across the road to Morrison's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Justin, you've had a nightmare here. And I dare I say that may be a sad indictment of how your predictions are going to go this weekend. I've got full faith in Stoke beating the best team ever to Flipping grace the down. championship. <laughs> Absolutely. Every single bit of me is 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 well into this there you go ladies and gentlemen i hope you head into your weekend with as much blind confidence as justin peach because if you do that then i imagine it will be a decent one if that um but there we go ladies and gentlemen that's been scott higher ryan low this has been the second tier podcast and we'll be back again on sunday to round up all the weekend's action in the championship so we look forward to seeing you then as always if you will mind giving us a five-star review on whichever podcast platform you listen to us on helps us go a long way to growing and we would greatly appreciate it and um, but there we go second tier podcast wraps up for another preview show and we'll be back again on sunday i have been ryan dilks i have been justin peach and a big thank you for listening second tier is a stack production and part of the acast creator network